I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you're listening to Two Average Girls. Happy Tag Tuesday. Hello. <laughs> you're, mahalo. You're st- oh, you're not on the island anymore. You can't say mahalo. I want to because I was carrying my aloha bag today. Oh. And yeah. You carry that around here in Orange County? I do now because it's super humid and hot. I mean, we are going through, everybody in the United States right now is going through a heat wave. It's definitely, you know. It's because of the global warming situation, I guess. Oh. It could just be that it is September. And I got (laughs) married in September almost a week ago. And in a week, it'll be my anniversary. Mm -hmm. Happy anniversary. Thank you. And 34 years. Three, four. What's that? Uh, Cork? I think it should be diamonds every year. (laughs) Diamonds Diamonds are every year after 30. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you get to that part, if you get that far into it, it should be diamonds and platinum and Gucci and... <laughs> sure. Oh, let's make up like Denise's list of anniversary items. Absolutely. Yeah. I, we could say what they really should be and then I'll say what I want them to be. Okay, so what, what Hallmark has set forth. Or whatever, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then what Denise thinks. Yes. That sounds like a good idea. I and think, I think the men will appreciate it. I don't know if the men will, but the women <laughs> definitely will. Yes. I will have you covered. Don't you worry. It will make you get to the next one. The next anniversary or the yes. next husband? Either one. <laughs> the longer you stay, the better your gifts. I guess so. So if you're you know thinking at five years, you might want to like exit. No, you want to wait till the seven year. Because you know they say the seven year itch. I would make it so that the seven years and those ones that are really hard to stick in, like seven, 15, whatever they are. Okay. They'd be worth your while. Okay. You're going to make those, those are going to be big ticket items. I think so. That, that I, I could see the psychology in that for some women. It got real dark. A, a oh. lot of women. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, but back to the aloha. It is very hot and it's humid. So everyone's oh. like, this is just like Hawaii. And I was like, let me just explain something to you. There is some humidity. There's a lot of humidity in Hawaii, but it's 82 and humid. Yeah, yeah. It's 106 today, it, I think. In Orange County, that is huge. That is big. I mean, we went down to Newport on a Duffy boat on Friday. Oh. And it was 90 degrees as we were driving down there at like 4.30 in the afternoon. When it gets to be over 85 in Newport or near the ocean, you know it's hot. Yeah, it's not good. That's next level. Yeah, it's not good. And people's air conditioning is breaking and it's (laughs) (laughs) their cars. If if my air conditioning broke, I'd have to probably go to a hotel. That's what I was thinking today If because it made a funny sound. (laughs) And I was like, don't, don't, don't give up on me now. Listen, listen. Well, you can come stay here if something happens. Yeah. This is what I love about the state of California. Hang in here with me. They've been (laughs) saying that you, everybody needs to have an electric car. Oh, I know. And then with the heat, with this heat wave and classic Southern California, it doesn't truly get hot 
I mean, summertime heat until September, October. It really does. Halloween is a nightmare here. Usually. People are bundling up in the Midwest, hiding their whatever yeah. sexy pirate costume. <laughs> We're over here just like, sexy pirate, get this off of me. Yeah. I can't wear an eye patch. I'm too hot. Yeah. Yeah. So we, it we doesn't... We have a lot of wildfires during that time, too, because there's right. a lot of Santa Ana winds that come with it. Mm -hmm. So we just, I mean, they've been saying that, but it's ironic. Our governor made an announcement a couple of weeks ago about how by 2029, there will be no more gas cars sold in the state of California. Right. And by 2035, we're going to be completely electric. Right. Now, for someone who owns a construction company, that's really perplexing, just so you know. It doesn't make sense to you? <laughs> Not when they're... <laughs> They don't have any trucks that can do any of my equipment yet. Sure. And even if they did, some of the ones they have are like almost like almost half a million dollars a piece. Oh, but maybe Governor Newsom isn't talking about you. Well, he's talking about giving grants for certain things. And anyway, I could go on and on. Please. But the ironic part of that was the next day he said, everybody, don't turn on your AC between four and nine because we are going to have outages. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, hmm. If that happens on a regular basis and we have millions and millions of people on the grid with their electric vehicles, yeah. which they will be, absolutely, then are we not going to be able to go anywhere? No. And we won't have air conditioning? No. Well. And you can't, you can't, so you can't, I got into my car, I have an electric car and I got into my car today and a huge notification came up that I'd never seen before through the state of california oh which gave me pause <laughs> so now the state is in my car with me i can't get away from the state of california um telling me that i needed to not charge my car oh because we're having like a flex alert or whatever they're it's calling it now alert. yeah because electricity is but you went to la today yeah i i took one look at that and i hit dismiss on my car i was like sorry when, they, got, when they told us not to to do the the AC, like I keep my AC at like 80 in the house because yeah. when it's 110 outside, mm -hmm. 80 feels cool. Yeah. But still, I'm sorry, the elderly, special oh, needs, please. we can't not have people have the AC on. I know. That's yeah. like dangerous. Like we're not doing that. No, I had to go to LA. I didn't have a choice. There's stuff that happens. You know what I'm saying? It's like I guess you could have ridden a bus. Yeah, I'd still or, be on that bus. I know you would be. I mean, the, that's the other thing is like the transit system here in Southern California was never built to yeah. actually move people in a in a what efficient way. efficient manner. Yeah, we're a car culture. I'm sorry. I know they're that's, trying to change it. It's not going to change. I, I I'm you know I started a whole committee for the association that I'm with, and it's about transportation and what our elected officials are trying to do. They're trying to get everybody out of cars. Good luck. They are, zero, they are not working on freeways. They do not want to expand any freeways. They will not do it. But not only that, that right there is terrifying <laughs> because the freeway expansion is absolutely mandatory. The five, the I-5 corridor. They won't do it. It is. An, they, won't get, an, they won't get any kind of, it's been a directive from Sacramento. They will not do it. Caltrans can't do it. LA Metro can't do it. They want multimodal ways of transportation. I don't know how you're going to support all of the people who live in Southern California without the infrastructure. That's number one. Number two is everybody buys an electric car. We don't have the infrastructure with which to charge the cars. You're correct. And what about, let's just talk about this. What about the people who can't afford the electric cars? Because they're exactly. not cheap. I mean, we know people who drive 16 and 17 year old cars because mm -hmm. that's what they can afford. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. It no. gets them to their job. Everybody it gives needs. Gives them the ability to be independent. Right. And to 
have the ability to work. Exactly. Where and when they need to. That's the bottom line. How am I going to get to work? I can't take the bus. No. I used to work in Huntington Beach. That's correct. How, and I looked into it a couple times because every once in a while, even in Kauai, I'm like, you know what would be interesting is if I took this bus around this entire island and saw what what it has to offer. We've talked about doing that. Yeah. I I would love to. Let's podcast from the bus. Let's just, yeah, that should be. <laughs> yes, let's do it. I want a podcast on the bus. We are on a bus. tangent that I can't believe we're on, but we could talk about this for days and days, and yeah. I have a lot of information about it. So if we ever want to bring up this podcast okay. again, we should totally do it. Okay, we'll do but it I another time. S- I have something really good on my mind. Oh? Because you and I, we haven't been together for a while. No. And one of the last, it's been a while, but maybe two or three podcasts ago, yeah. Maybe it's four podcasts ago. Number 60. And okay. It's, it's called Don't Know What the Deal with the FBI Is. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. And it was it. when we we rehashed <laughs> the Papini and Lost Girl yes. sagas, which are two different true crime cases uh, that have very opposite endings. I love them both. Though. But they both premises are that at a certain time, none of us knew if these what was going on with these two cases? Yeah. Was this a gone girl situation, meaning was somebody faking it? Yeah. Was somebody being set up? Mm. Is it a real crime? What's going on? And right. we found, and if you haven't listened to number 60 on their podcast, go ahead and listen to it. I think it's worthwhile. And both these cases, the Papini case and Denise Huskins, the mm-hmm. gone girl case, mm-hmm. are very, very tantalizing and good. And so similar, yet so different. The endings are completely different, mm-hmm. but they both in, encase a blonde woman mm. that's fairly, very attractive women, two mm-hmm. very attractive women. And when we were going through that Gone Girl and the Papini case, at the exact day that we were, were recording it, I think we mentioned even in, in the podcast, and we didn't elaborate on it because at the time it was still transpiring, there was a possibility of another Gone Girl or something going on and it was it had to do with a corrections officer oh yes yes. and it was about the fact that a corrections officer had been kidnapped it was Mm -hmm. believed a corrections officer had been kidnapped right do you remember us talking about that briefly i uh, briefly because you and i talk about it off air because that's just it was fascinating the other kind of confusing thing to me though was that they're both of their last names are White. I know. So Vicki White is the con- corrections officer. That's correct. Casey White, also a, could be a lady's name, right. is the inmate. That's correct. But they're not related in any way. So at the time, you and I were talking about, we were getting ready to talk about, and I said, there could be another one because it was like breaking news. Oh, now I remember that. And yeah. Vicki White mm. had gone, basically gone missing. Right. And Casey White was with her. So a our only, my brain thought, oh my gosh, this fugitive took this correction officer, mm-hmm. you know, basically overran her. Stole her. Stole her, yeah. kidnapped her at gunpoint and was going to use her as a tool to get away. What did I say when you said that? I, I kind of <laughs> <laughs> What does Anne always say? <laughs> Remember, Anne has a spidey sense about these things. She has the power of discernment when it comes to. I have to address that. Because I've had several people say, make comments to me about that statement that I made on our podcast Mm -hmm. that that I have been in newsrooms where I have gone, 
that didn't happen the way this person says it's going to happen and everyone's head at the same time swivels around and I get the judgment of all humanity on me going how dare you know everyone's just like you're so not empathetic blah 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 and it turns out that I've been right on most occasions I have had people literally say to me so you know just sort of explain what I just explained and and I'm like yeah that's interesting. They're not as impressed with my spidey sense as I think they should be. Or the, as I am. Well, I'm really impressed with my spidey sense. I think I think when you told me, again, probably because I hang around you a lot, <laughs> it might be, I might be catching on to it. We literally talked off air about it that day. Like maybe she wasn't kidnapped. Maybe she's in on it with right. him. Mm-hmm. And we weren't sure what was going on. Right. It just was fascinating to both of us for a lot of different reasons. Number one, why would a corrections officer be by herself with one with inmate? With an inmate, yeah. Good so question. We, we, we kind of went from there. But l- mm-hmm. let's just talk a little bit about what had happened that day. Okay, do you want me to do a little timeline for do you? Do a timeline. Okay, all right. So let's, I think now that, now that we're sort of rehashing the fact that maybe we talked about this on a previous podcast, I mistakenly um, identified Casey White when looking at his, um, his mugshot. Something was said about, oof. And I said, he kind of looks like John Krasinski's white trash brother or maybe trailer <laughs> trash cousin or, so, or cousin that didn't have as good yeah. an upbringing as John uh-huh. Krasinski. I was deeply, deeply wrong about that. Okay. There was one photo and it's early on. It might have been his very first mugshot from a long time ago. And he has kind of a strange resemblance to John Krasinski. And now looking at the photos from more recently, that could not be any further from the truth. So I retract that statement. That was not good. He looks like a man who's had a hard life and has done some time. So, okay, let's... In starting our timeline, we're going to go back to 2015, where Casey White, he is the, let's remember, he is the inmate. He carried out a crime spree that included a home invasion, a carjacking, a police chase. Um, That was in 2015, and in 2016, he was indicted on 15 counts. He was convicted of seven of those counts in 2019. So this, of course, takes a while, running through the justice system. Um, one, One of those counts was attempted murder. Oh, so he's, he, I was just going to ask, what are these, how, how bad are these crimes? Attempted murder and robbery. And um, this was in Alabama and uh, in the South, they kind of don't mess. They're not, um, you know, the privileged few, like out here in California (laughs) where you're like, he's just misunderstood. No, he's not misunderstood. He's a criminal. So he was sentenced to 75 years for those, for those crimes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't mess. That was in 2019. So in 2020, he's serving out his sentence in the William E. Donaldson Correctional Facility in Jefferson County, Alabama. This is where he confessed in 2020 of the 2015 stabbing death of a 59-year-old woman. Oh, so he was a murderer. He's also a murderer. So he got that. So then he was charged with two counts of capital murder um, in her death. Um, So then he was brought to the Lauderdale County Detention Center to be arraigned in that case in October of 2022, where, strangely, he pled not guilty. (laughs) I mean, he's, I don't know, whatever. Um, I find it fascinating when they plead not guilty. Like, they found the murder weapon in their house, there's DNA all over, and then they plead not guilty. Well, he admitted to it. I know. (laughs) He admitted to it originally, and then decided... Because his lawyer told him to say no. I didn't do it. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Defense lawyers are... 
interesting bunch. We should get someone on here. I would love to because they're fascinating. Talking to defense lawyers, it will change your world. It it's really crazy. Is, yeah, it's interesting. So yeah. anyway. So that is the jail in Lauderdale County uh, where he met Vicki White. So Vicki White, at the time that you and I were finding out about this, the day that it had happened, it was literally the day we were recording the Papini and Denise Huskins um, podcast. We didn't know in, much about it. We just knew that they were both gone and they were trying to figure out they had the police car mm -hmm. and they had they were gone yeah they didn't show up to where they were supposed to do right vicky had made an a, basically said that she was going to be taking him mm -hmm. to an appointment it was a psychiatric appointment a psychiatric yeah. appointment mm -hmm. she did not follow the protocol no from date from the get-go like she was supposed to check them out there should have been two people with them there was all of these things that were red flags probably what they didn't tell us as the public was they knew immediately that she probably was in on the on this probably but you and i were like i was like well maybe he kidnapped her right like because for me i'm like of course she had to be kidnapped to go with this guy who's gonna go with this Mm -mm. loser he's not good looking i mean it's not like he's like a good looking guy but even if he was who cares but it says so at the beginning this is what came out the day that this happened from cnn a missing alabama corrections official accused of helping a murdered defendant escape from jail had a non-physical special relationship with him that included allowing him privileges while incarcerated okay that's non-physical non special relationship is that the That's term? what they said. The relationship between Vicki White, an assistant director of corrections for Northwestern Alabama's Lauderdale County, and the now fugitive Casey White was confirmed in part through tips from inmates at the county detention center, Sure, says Sheriff Rick Singleton, and he told that to CNN. We have confirmed through independent sources and other means that there was, an, in fact, a relationship between Casey White and Vicki White outside the, her normal work hours. Mm -mm. Not physical contact, but a relationship of a different nature. Mm -mm. <laughs> we were told that Casey White got special privileges and was treated differently while in the facility than the other inmates, Singleton oh. said. Mm. So I don't know what that means other than, what, what does that mean? Like what, she's bringing him special food. She's sitting there and talking to him. She's bringing him cigarettes, a cell phone. I don't know. I, I don't know the ins and outs of what happens in a prison like that. But I'll bet if there's anything even remotely like the smell of a chocolate chip cookie or something like that, it's like that's going to stand out. So they left on a Friday morning. This report is being given the Tuesday after that Friday. And it says authorities are looking for both Vicki White and Casey White, who are not related, after <laughs> the corrections officer on Friday morning left the Lauderdale County Detention Center with 38-year-old inmate while he was handcuffed and shackled in her patrol car. <sighs> A warrant has been issued for Vicki White's arrest on charges of permitting and facilitating escape in the first degree. Okay. She was supposed to be taking Casey White to a courthouse for a mental health evaluation and would then go get medical care because she wasn't feeling well herself. That's what she had told people. Authorities oh. later discovered no hearing or evaluation was scheduled for Casey White that day, and Vicki White had never arrived at the medical facility. 
Her patrol car was later found abandoned Friday morning in a shopping center parking lot less than a mile from the detention center. Mm. Okay. So the, I, the thing that I found fascinating by this after we started talking about it and I started following this for a while yeah. was that this woman, nobody in her life was aware of this. No one knew that she had this special non-physical relationship with this Casey White. That's correct. As a matter of fact, she was a, what, from what they said, it says they were, her coworkers were in shock. Ugh. Because she was such a good employee kind of thing? Okay. Yes. Literally says all of her coworkers are devastated. We've never had a situation like this with Vicki White. She is a model employee, Mm -mm. they told CNN. An exemplary employee, said another. If she did this willingly, and all indications are that she did, I guess we're trying to hold on to the fact that the last straw of hope that maybe that for some reason she was threatened to do this under coercion or uh, absolutely we, if that's not the case, they all felt betrayed, which you would. Yeah, you would, but she she got her bell rung by this guy. He's a psychopath of the first degree because he zeroed in on her and knew that he could get something from her. He had the right line, and she picked right up on it, which is terrifying. I mean, the district attorney, Chris Connolly, told the, told CNN that he had worked with Vicki White for 17 years Ooh. and before, the day before she disappeared and never saw any sign of this happening. Never gave a clue. No. She never showed. I would have trusted her with my life, he said. Sure, because she was such a good employee. Yes. You know, she also wasn't, um, she wasn't young. She was 56, I think is what it said. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Let me, ooh. No, but when you, you and I first talked about this, one of the things that stood out was she was fairly good looking. No, she, she was, was a, a cute lady. She was a, a good looking older woman. Like, you know, a good looking older woman. I say she's a mid-level woman. But yeah. was she was wearing a brown suit, like I a mean, corrections office suit. And she please. still looked kind of cute in yeah. that outfit compared to what this guy looked like. I mean, this guy. And she also had blonde hair and she was white chick. Yeah, I mean, there, she was, there was nothing about her that made you go, yeah. ooh, she, where'd she crawl out from? She right. was like a lovely, upstanding, but at 56 years old, this is, I'm sorry, this kind of thing is behavior of a much younger woman. Yes. I don't know what Vicky's background was, if she'd ever been married. She didn't have children, I knew that. I didn't know she didn't have children. No, she doesn't have kids, but I don't know if she was married ever, like married and divorced or anything like that, or had like a serious relationship. I don't know. Here is a telltale sign, though, that you are coming unraveled. She sold her home in Alabama earlier that year right, for $95,000. And I'm like, well, in Alabama, I'll bet that was a pretty nice home. Well, (laughs) the documents show now that sort of the dust has settled they've gone back and looked into her life and what she was doing and sort of the 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 moves that she made that house had a market value of two hundred and thirty five thousand dollars she sold it just to get the cash yeah she sold it way under value and she had she had been living with her mother for about five weeks because the people of course moved in immediately she moved out and was staying with her mom for five weeks she this was a plan I also know that her mom knew nothing about this. Can you imagine? Poor mom. No, it's I mean, so sad. Yeah. First of all, it was sad enough to know that all of a sudden... So Vicky had been on the run with oh this guy week. for over a week. So oh. she leaves her patrol car there. 
Mm-hmm. Do we know what happened to how they escaped? Didn't they buy another vehicle? There was another vehicle that was at the Quality Inn Hotel in Florence, Alabama. Um, that was that she that she bought. It was an orange 2007 Ford Edge, but Ooh. she used a fake name to buy it and get all the paperwork done so that it didn't look. And, and I'm sure she paid cash. She was taking not just the money from the house, but she had several different accounts that she was that she took money from weeks weeks before this little incident happened so it was all premeditated it really was because also her co-workers one of the reasons they were devastated and shocked was because she had been talking about retirement well at 56 you would especially being a corrections officer that job itself oh i mean i don't i i cannot understand where she's coming from in this whole thing but being a corrections officer is next level. Yeah. I just watched a 2020, uh, not 2020, but a um, Dateline mm-hmm. with Lester Holt. Love him. And Lester, I do too. Lester went in and for two nights and three days, he spent time in the big house. What? Yes. Why? He, because he wanted, because of the whole idea, and this is a whole other podcast deal, but about how it is inside jails and how Mm. many people are dying. I mean, the age of the people in jails right now Mm -hmm. and how many, how much prison reform we need based on who's being held there. And they focused on some of the older inmates. But one of the things that they talked about was the toll it takes on the officers that are over these prisoners. Sure. I mean, they're getting feces thrown at them. Lots they're getting spit at. They're, you know, their their life is at in danger every single day yeah. because of what could happen to them every single day. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, it's just bad. Yeah. So it kind of reminded me when I was, we knew we were going to talk about this. I thought, this is a woman who, it sounds like for 17 years she has no children. Mm. I, I'm assuming she was probably married at some point. It doesn't say she wasn't, but right. I'm assuming she probably was married at some point. Could have been in an abusive relationship of some sort. Maybe. Who knows? I'm speculating, but I'm doing Dr. Phil right now. Thank you. And I, you know, I just, you know, (laughs) I'm just going with my gut here. Right. And I'm thinking this is probably a broken woman who is used to this kind of chaos. And if you're coming to work day day in and day out and you're dealing with this type of person. Yep. I, I guess I can see why she got kind of bamboozled roped in roped in i don't know i mean it's hard for you and i to walk in those shoes well yeah but i mean you can see you know she probably was kind of a lonely gal maybe but like you said it's been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks i was trying to find out after the fact how long this had been going on and if there was any more details i'm assuming they're keeping it pretty close to the vest Mm -hmm. until they charge him with more or i don't really know what's going on or maybe they're embarrassed that this happened they're trying to protect his family her family i i would think so but uh, from what i've read on the timeline this has been going on for years oh they've known each other for years because he was almost like a lifer there sure and that's where she worked so it had been years that she'd known him now how long the special relationship that we're talking about was going on that i that i don't know i just find it hard to believe there was no conjugal visit well and she was roped in that deep i think those kinds of visits are hard to pull off in a prison sure. setting i mean good luck well the comfort in i guess that helped they headed straight for that comfort in but the sad part is that it says 
Vicki White, the, um, the corrections officer accused of helping a murder suspect escape from jail, died from a single self-inflicted gunshot wound. The Indiana court, um, the Indiana coroner's office said, so she basically killed herself. Now, when I heard this, I thought, well, maybe he killed her because there was like he put a gun to her head, but no, Mm-mm. she killed herself. Yeah, she did. There was um, I was listening to something today um, regarding this case, and they the autopsy was then put before a grand jury. And the grand jury was able to see that, it, without a doubt, it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. But the part of that that's so important is they are trying to charge Casey White with her death. And it gets very sticky. And, and there's, of course, strange language being used. But the way the person that I was listening to broke it down was, were it not for him and his presence, she would not have then sort of felt obligated to to kill herself. It's kind of a stretch, and they're, even the defense is like, well, we'll see what happens. You know, we got to kind Can't of hurt. go lightly. Let's see if we can get this He's guy. He's already in jail for, for life. He is, but I think it would be a comfort to her family. Comfort's the wrong word. It would be some small justice to her Maybe. family because truly, without this scumbag in her life, right. things probably would have gone very differently. At the same time, you know, her mental state was clearly uh, something that no no one could have guessed she was having the problems that she was having and it might have not just been him it could have been anybody it would have i mean she was latching onto whatever it says white 56 which is we're talking about um vicky Vicky, died monday hours after she and escaped inmate casey white were captured in indiana following a car crash the pair had a cache of weapons four handguns several semi-automatic weapons including Mm. an ar-15 so Obviously, she brought those with her because sure. he didn't have those. No. After his arrest Monday, Casey White said that he was probably going to have a shootout at at the at the stake of both of them losing their lives. Mm-mm. So he was prepared to die. I wish I kind of sure. wish he would have. Then now we have to pay for his incarceration. incarceration. <laughs> it's always the guy that's going to be incarcerated for the next eighty years that is like. I, I don't care. I'll go out in a hail of gunfires. Like, of course you will. It's either that or bland food back at the old prison. So they made it 70 miles from where they started. That's all? That's all they did. I think they kept stuffing it. Stopping at hotels? Comfort <laughs> 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 Sorry, that's not funny at all. I know. Stop but laughing. It's, I'm just thinking. Mm-mm. Oh, it's, it's so tragic. Yeah, it's bad. I don't love these kinds of things, but for folks <laughs> who are interested, there, there's... You know that 911 calls are public domain. 911 calls are public domain. Denise is looking at me like, why are you telling me this? I didn't know that. Yeah. So you can hear the 911 call. How um, do you get your hands on it? You have to get, just, you have to just go down to some place. <laughs> it's called Google. Oh, really? They're all online. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can listen to 911 calls. You can hear the audio of Vicky's, you know, I don't know who made the call, but it's there for you if that's something that you would be interested in hearing. It is an interesting sort of insight into where she was at that moment, and it's it's very sad, but it's still like I'm fascinated by women who are into not just the bad boy, the worst boy. No, that that's really, really where this should, this conversation is going because – you and I have talked about this before. I mean, mm-hmm. what is it about women Ugh. 
who are fat. I mean, you and I are fascinated by murder. Sure. A little bit. Like we like, we don't like murder. Let's, let's, <laughs> let me rephrase that. That sounds really no, bad. No, no, no. But we're fascinated by some of these true crime things. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I can go to sleep watching, you know, Dateline or uh, Richard Ramirez. Sure. You know, I do it all the time. Documentary. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. Right. It isn't something, I don't do it a lot at night anymore when I'm by myself or anything. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying I'm fascinated by it. But really what I'm fascinated by is how in the world, what, what would drive a normal, well, let me just mm. rephrase. What yeah. would drive a woman yeah. to want to have a relationship with someone behind bars? Yeah, that's a good question. And there's, there's books written mm. on it. There's psychologists who have, you know, spent a lifetime. I don't, I think they need to spend another lifetime because of all of the weird choices you could make in your life, that to me is insanity. I would have joined the Manson cult before I would absolutely get myself <laughs> with some dude who's behind bars. Well, you what know, are you it, doing? It, it's, it's just so, it's so fascinating. I started, you know, Googling, of course, and of course. I, and I came across a couple, I came across a lot of information, but a couple of things that kind of stuck out to me in in general. I was reading um, a, an article called Convicted Men and the Women Who Love Them. <laughs> of course, so I was I, right away. I was like, oh, I'm all in on yeah. this one. I'll yeah. spend the time and read this. Right. It was posted online January 2nd, 2020. And it's written by Robert T. Muller, Ph.D. And it's talking about trauma. And so that really got me. And it, the first part of this was hilarious because you and I have talked about this so many times, yeah. which is Te Ted Bundy. Oh, come because on. he's just, I mean, he's the quintessential yeah. serial killer because he, at least for a long time, he didn't fit any profile that we'd ever seen before. He was platinum level serial Dude, killer. He, no, he did not mess. <laughs> first of all, he was very good looking. He was handsome. And he was a charmer. Listen, when Zac Efron can play you in the movie... Well, that's what I'm saying. This is how this, <laughs> You're doing this, great. this starts out. It says, since the recent Zac Efron movie, which happened in 2020... Wasn't um, that long ago? ...depicting serial killer Ted Bundy, the media has been shocked by the admiration that they've seen about Ted Bundy's alleged hotness and, and would like to... Uh, and he said that everyone's fascinated by this, right? But he, this person who's talking says, I want to remind everybody. And this yeah. is what he says. I'd like to gently remind everyone <laughs> that there are literally thousands of other hot men, and I'm saying this in quotes, <laughs> depicted on the streaming service, almost all of whom are not convicted serial mur murderers. Yeah. Because, I mean, Zac Efron is, you know, he's a snack and a half. <laughs> Is that what the kids are saying? He's a snack. He's a, he's a snack. Zach Efron um, did an amazing job as Ted Bundy. He really did. He, I think he really, the essence of who Ted Bundy was, mm -hmm. he captured. The dead behind the eyes. Totally. But yet that smile that you just like, if your guard isn't up, you don't know to defend yourself against that smile. I think we think that serial killers are going to look crazy yeah, they're and not, act crazy. They're not. Sociopaths killers mm -hmm. narcissistic sociopaths are 
extremely intelligent, which is what he was. He was yeah. beyond smart. Mm -hmm. Again, you think that they're like living on the streets, you know. No, that's not the guy that's going to serial kill you. No. Mm -mm. That's what I'm saying, girls. You Don't be nice to anybody. <laughs> Dr. Denise says, <laughs> you have to remember too, the Ted Bundy MO, which I think was what was so fascinating to all women, was to cold call, basically just approach a woman randomly on the street. This isn't a relationship that he had with anyone before. He just saw a beautiful woman. Yes. And he had on his little tennis outfit or whatever he happened to be wearing, looking good, asking for some help. Sure. And this is how the 70s. How hard, I mean, how how could he be bad? Why would you be? Why, it's why it's would the he be same bad? with women, though. You and I have talked about this, how women can get away with so much, especially good-looking good -looking women, oh, yeah. especially if you have boobs. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, so there's no hope for me. I'm just saying. I'm going to get convicted of murder. <laughs> you could get, listen, I'm just telling you, you got to stuff your bra. Okay. And then no man will think anything of it. They'll just be like, okay, whatever you want. I'm sorry, but that is the absolute truth. I know. I'm saying we as human beings are very superficial. It's like you look at someone, you go, she couldn't do that. It's like when old people do something bad. I mean, there's some really great true crime stuff that you and I have talked about, about yeah. older women yep. who, I mean, like older than I am, older than late fifties. <laughs> I'm yeah. talking 70 year olds. How yeah. can a grandma be mean? Grandma? How what? can a grandma commit murder? Right. These women are out for blood, literally. Dorothea they, Puente in Sacramento exactly. was burying people under the porch. She looked like she was 80. And, and, and she was like rocking chair grandma. Like <laughs> she you, she'd make you cookies and you'd come over in there. Yeah, there'd be arsenic in those cookies. That's and she's right. going to bury you under her, you know. Under the porch. That's, that's right. where you find her. That's where yeah. she was. So in this article, it says, one recent study examined women of varying ages, ethnicity, mm -hmm. education, and employment status mm -hmm. who were in relationships with incarcerated men. Incarcerated men. Oh, so they, they kind of broke it down into, okay, go on. So it says, while they were not diagnosed with major mental illnesses or personality disorders, mm -hmm. many came from difficult upbringings with a history of abuse. Okay. And notably, 90% had experienced dominant, verbally abusive prior marriages. Oh, okay. 90%. That's, that's a huge number. Yeah. 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 So let's, um, well, while you're bringing that up, I want to talk a little bit about Doreen Loy. Mm -hmm. She was Richard Ramirez's wife. Oh, let's, like, okay, Richard Ramirez. And maybe it's because I only saw the gross pictures of him but he is gross looking oh no he was gross the first time he ever had any teeth work done i know i remember this prison it's gross i mean he was he was he gnarly. looked he had pot-marked face yeah he, was he looked like this he looked like satan no he did to me he looked like someone who would be a serial killer and the the people of wasn't like a ted bundy in disguise no he was like out there mm -hmm. which really says something about a woman who's going after that. Well, and Doreen Loy was not an unaccomplished person. She was a freelance teen magazine editor who lived in Burbank. Oh, gosh. She had a job, right? <laughs> yeah, you think they're going to be like, I don't know. They're you think like it's a troll be some... underneath a bridge. No, not like, at all. I know, it's so weird. Not at all. She reportedly sent Richard Ramirez dozens of letters that began in 1985, shortly after he was arrested and imprisoned, before he went on trial. Okay, so according to an account by Los Angeles Times, they saw Loy visit Ramirez in jail. She had initially been struck by his vulnerability when she saw, 
when the people of Echo Park rose up and beat the living daylights out of him? Is that the vulnerability you're talking about? Chased him down the street? I mean, you can find, you can find like, oh, poor thing in anything, I guess. Can you? Because I, I have a hard yes. time Me finding too. it in Richard Ramirez. In any, listen, I, I'm, I guess I'm getting jaded, but I have, I have to, you have to really prove your, yourself to me these days. Oh, with the, for so many reasons. Because it's all, it's all a veneer. She started visiting him in San Quentin four times a week. Oh my gosh. I can't do anything four times a week. I can't go to Pilates four times a week. I am trying to go to work out four times a week. I can be, I don't even talk to my own kids four times a week. Like what in the world is happening with this person? Yeah. Um, her entire family disowned her including her twin sister yes i would you would have to if you start visiting an inmate Mm -hmm. especially one that has killed and chopped up people or done whatever i'm not going to be your friend anymore this is her twin they share the same dna and you can't understand what she's up to you're like doreen what is going on what is happening according to her sister she said it's unfortunate for me that i've been linked to all of this i was taken aback by the news that her sister was like dating Richard Ramirez <laughs> to be related by birth is fine but I don't want any part of this it's been a very painful event for my family so now now you've got another victim not just the yeah. victims that he did the yeah. horrible things to now we've got this lady that we're dating in San Quentin and her whole family now is victimized by your treachery he proposed in 88 <sighs> so they started dating oh. I, every all of this is in air quotes in 85 um he proposed in 88 and they were married in 96 i didn't realize that someone on death row because he was on death row even though california doesn't have a death right it's still like a symbolic death row i didn't realize that you could get married i didn't realize that would it be actually recognized or did they get married and like somebody like you i could just like marry you and say you know kiss the bride they can't really kiss they weren't like in i don't think they could touch there's a picture of them at the service, but they did, they were legally married. Um, Ramirez, his brother, sister, and niece were there. They showed up for it, wow. as well as lawyers and um, the author of that book that the guy wrote right. about him. I don't mean to like put that off, but it's like there's, yeah. The, so the author was there, and I mean, that person was there in order to finish the, the story. book. Yeah, it's whatever. It was a 15 minute service. Loy reportedly wore a short white dress gave um Ramirez a platinum band um and she spent money on a band for him yeah a platinum band here's a little side note that I think you're really gonna enjoy Denise (laughs) oh my gosh Ramirez was a self-described Satanist (sighs) and they're not they they don't believe in wearing gold so the band had to be platinum I might also point out that platinum is more expensive than gold that's what I mean (laughs) that's why I said platinum I really yep um satanists don't believe in wearing gold i don't know that much about satanism are they like gonna be is it like a vampire like if you like put a garlic and a cross that burn like if they touch gold it's like bad for them it might be i don't know i I don't want to even look into satanists we're not doing a podcast on (laughs) On satanism no i just know that they're well i'm not we're not doing it because it's just i can't even go there it's not as i don't know it's it's not as damning it's not as damning as i think people think it but i could be wrong I mean, they did a lot of, uh, the only reason I even know this is because I did a story once that um, some Satanists showed up to a public school meeting somewhere here in Orange County, and they wanted to say that you can't have prayer in school if it's a, like a pure, if it's a Christian prayer, you can't have any prayer, or you have to have all the prayers. Oh. And that includes us 
in the Church of Satan. See what I'm saying? Well, Denise is looking at Satan. me blankly. But I mean, they I don't know that they that pray. That doesn't make me feel better. I don't know who they pray to. I'm just saying that they're... Satan. They, they, <laughs> the beguiler. The guy who tempted Eve. The snake. The oh. serpent. Oh. The bad guy. Oh. The that's one not, down under that's burning in hell. It sounds like you do want to know more about it. I then. don't need to know any more than that. That sounds like a terrible idea. I'm just saying that they were there to represent the rights of anyone who wasn't Christian. There's no rights if you're a Satanist. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, here come the letters from the Satanist. <laughs> if you're listening and you're a Satanist and you're, you know, put off by this, you can just turn it off. I'm fine. <laughs> turn off your pod machine. <laughs> um, after claiming, let's get back to Richard here, who was a Satanist. <laughs> um, after claiming that she loved Ramirez more than anything in the world uh, yeah, yeah. in her 1996 interview with the examiner, Loy, then going by Doreen Ramirez. <laughs> Continued to unabashedly declare her love for him and, of course, referred to him as her husband. He's kind. He's funny. He's charming. I think he's a really He's a captive audience. I mean, she's sitting there meeting him four days a week. How many times have you talked to your husband four times in one week where he's actually paying attention to you? Maybe this is why she's in love with him. (laughs) She she finally found someone to look her directly in the eye. (laughs) He has nothing else to do all day. He comes there and he's like... Let me talk to you. Yeah, my husband like barely passes me in the hallway and he's like barely, uh-huh, what did you say? No. Like I have to repeat it four times. Yeah, she's no. got a captive audience. Mm-mm. It's unbelievable. Well, she said that being married to him was a lonely lifestyle. And then well, it, yeah, because he murders people and he's in jail. He's in jail. Um, she oh believed in his innocence though. Oh, come on. Well, even until his death there in Quentin, San Quentin, um, he claimed, and his lawyers, he fired the original lawyers and then had other, you know, brought in another team of people. Yeah, 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 and yeah. they were fighting to get him another trial. Remember if we, we did a thing on Richard Maris, mm-hmm. and remember we talked about the fact that his his dad gave money towards his His defense. parents believed until the day they, that know, he died. Well, that you'd that, have to, I think. If, you, if you're Richard Ramirez's parents, you're, yep. you're, you're just praying to God. Now, you're Christian, praying to God that he is innocent. And you're going to do whatever it takes. Because then you'd have to admit you had something to do with this. Because he had a bad life. And it started young. Yep. There was a lot of problems there. When we talked about his case, yep. there wasn't just one or two women in the courtroom mm-hmm. There was a whole set of groupies mm-hmm. at his things. He would turn around and smile at them. He was wearing sunglasses. He mm-hmm. would acknowledge them in the courtroom. Yeah, no, they loved it. He they were all loved groupies. it. Oh, they absolutely it's were all so over him. Ridiculous. Oh, there's a whole group of women that that want that, mm. and I don't know why. So that's all I that's all I know about Doreen. I don't know where she's at now. I don't know if she's still going by you know Doreen. Ramirez. Let's recap how he died. He did not die by lethal injection no. on death row. No, I think he died of cirrhosis of the liver, right? Think, like his I liver. I think he just... died of some like cancer or something yeah. major that happened. So he just he died of causes that did not have anything to do with California killing him. No, they. It's. I mean, they wouldn't have ever gotten around to it anyway. But so, so Dr. Mueller in this article that I started with said so some may and when he's talking about women who are enthralled with men behind yeah. bars right some may become sexually aroused by being with a partner convicted of severe crimes such as rape murder or armed robbery mm. this is a paraphilia known as 
hybristophilia. Okay. American Psychiatric Diagnosis, the DSM-5, notes that this condition may interfere with the establishment of normal sexual relationships. Really? You needed a book to tell you that? Well, I think some people just have to have it explained to them. So it, it also says that many of these women meet their partners via online pen pal sites. So like it starts sure. out as I'm going to write to a prisoner in jail. I'm going to do a nice deed for somebody. Right. I'm going to, they're probably lonely. Let's give a, let's be compassionate to those who might be behind bars for the wrong reason. I don't know. Um, such as Canadian Inmates Connect. Oh my gosh. There's mm-hmm. like a website mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Specifically mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, they talk about, she, this Canadian Inmates Connect, Melissa Fazina, the site's creator and co-founder, spoke with a trauma and mental health reporter to provide insight as to why women choose such relationships. She says, these women just want to offer some support to people that do not have a connection to the outside world. Okay. Have Inmates have nothing but time. Here we go. Yeah. Just like I expected. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You really get to know that person because you talk with them about anything and everything. And they make time for you. Well, they don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like... It's it's weird. Well, also, going back to our friend Ted Bundy, he was he was married in prison. Uh, the Menendez brothers, let's not forget them. Those, They're still there. Not only are they both married, one was married, divorced, and remarried. You do, he divorced somebody. They he got, got a better divorced. offer. I don't know if it wasn't maybe working out for her. How do you get into an argument with your man when he's like behind bars like how do you get to a point where you're like i'm so well, maybe upset he, with you he must have wanted to divorce her why do you think that because he probably got a better looking offer. you think oh sure okay sure okay. those guys those menendez brothers are arrogant no they are they're the worst they are not great so there's a like you mentioned there's books about this and mm-hmm. one book in particular when i was looking some information up that kept coming to the surface was a book called it was written by Sheila Eisenberg okay and it explores a phenomenon about women who love men who kill and that is the book's name women who love men who kill oh my goodness I don't know if I could read that that would be a downer yeah the the book contains countless interviews with women psychiatrists lawyers social workers prison guards in hopes of shedding light on why women are drawn to men behind bars Okay. The book has been featured on shows on CNN, the Today Show, MSNBC, Good Morning America 2020, among other news outlines. Mm. Now, this this article that I read was online from a website called attention.com, and they interviewed Eisenberg about this. Okay. And so they had some interesting information that I thought shed a little bit of light. And um, here's some cup questions. Um, are there any commonalities that you have found with women who are attracted to men in prison? And this is what she said. The real crux of the thing is that these are all women who have been damaged in their lives. Okay. In their earlier lives, they have been either abused by parents, their fathers, their first husbands, their boyfriends, whatever. Mm-hmm. I see I'm that. quoting this. Okay. They've been sexually abused, psychologically, emotionally abused. These are women who have been hurt. And when you're in a relationship with a man in prison, he's in prison. He's not going to hurt you. He can't hurt you. So you are always in a state of control. Oh, that makes sense, though. Because you're not the one who's on the outside. You're free. You go in and out to visit him. You can decide whether to accept his collect 
phone calls or not. That's true. So in a way, even though cons are very manipulative, that's why we call them con men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name. Stating yeah. the obvious. Yeah. And they are manila- manipulative with women. It's still up to the woman to decide how far she wants to go. And she knows you, she can't be hurt. And what every single woman I've interviewed has have that interview had been abused in the past and that's what I found that was the biggest that was a big secret okay that they'd been abused in the past that was a thing yeah Yeah. okay I that makes sense yeah so here's the problem that I have with that when I read that first that shed some light on the fact that they have control yeah but these women are when you're abused that way emotionally physically mentally Mm. you don't have the ability to understand how far it needs to go. Oh, good point. Like the boundary. You is have no an boundaries. Issue. Yeah. Because if you did, you wouldn't keep getting involved with men who are abusive. Or That's true. able to manipulate you. Well, and I'm sorry, but even though he's not being abusive to you, he's an abuser, the guy behind jail, the guy behind bars. To me, an abusive relationship starts at the beginning of that relationship where if you are manipulative, it is abusive. That's true. Being manipulative, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it can get real ugly real fast. Mm-hmm. And control is part of that manipulation. I'm getting you to do what I what I want you to do, which and is usually marry And usually it's a slow process with people who right. are in abuse relationships. That's and I true. know this because I know people who have been victims of this. Jacqueline was one victim. We yeah. talked to her about this. Yeah. It started out as basic stuff. I had a boyfriend back in the day. I would have never thought he was abusive. I, but what? my friends later told me they were like, I can't believe he was very controlling of the things, how I looked and the things that I ate. What? But it was, I didn't even pay attention to it, to be honest. You with didn't you. feel like you were being like held no, down. No, he wasn't holding me down in that way. But he made comments about it, which was probably more, and again, I'm justifying it because I literally didn't see it for what it was worth but after I was done with that relationship my close friend said to me I can't believe the way he talked to you sometimes and mentioned this what so you'd be like at Marie Callender's he's like you're not having pie are you having another piece oh why don't you have some fruit or you know that (gasps) kind of thing I don't remember it even but your friends were like clocking it and going them oh but see again I'm a pretty well-rounded human being yes yeah i was in college at the time but i was Mm -hmm. young and i was impressionist and i was in love with him yeah and i was all in sure i thought i was going to marry the guy right as i grew up i grew out of that relationship and then i could see it but i went from that relationship and then i met my husband but even now you're like well yeah i mean i guess he did say your friends were more uh like astute to it than you absolutely (gasps) absolutely that's crazy i know you just it and and when jacqueline talked about her relationship it was very interesting and what she has found and she would talk about this so i know she doesn't mind me saying it Mm -hmm. but that she would people were attracted to her she was she puts out a vibe Mm -hmm. that basically invites this type of person whether it was a man or a woman she had friends like this Mm. that were also manipulative and somewhat abusive in wanting her attention fully mm-hmm. and wanted to to manipulate her so that she didn't have freedom from outside of those people. Yeah, like give it all to me. Right. And, and this is somewhat of a collective way of an, this inmate, like 
like they said, the woman has the ability to decide if she's going to collect, to accept the collect call That's or true. she's going to go to the prison. It's true. But if she is got that mentality and she thinks this is all I'm worthy of yeah. or this is all I'm worth. Or this is what feels right to me. This because is the only I've, thing that so far in all the relationships I've had mm-hmm. is the only thing I feel like I'm not going to get over my head. Right. I might as well go to the prison and see Richard. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Can you imagine? No. I do want to give you some information about the Menendez ex-wife. The one of the ex-wives. She was married to um, Eric. And I don't know if Lyle was married more than once or not. But anyway... Eric's wife originally uh, her name is Tammy and she followed the trial I don't know if you remember that trial I somewhat do I I started watching something and I believe it was on Netflix about this mm-hmm. and you know there's been a whole in I think it happened in 2020 or somewhat in 2021 there was a whole movement to try to free the Menendez brothers yeah, there was there's this whole group of younger um, mm. social media people who are hearing bits and pieces of their because one of the factors in this whole thing was the abuse that happened with these boys, alleged which I have a feeling was actually happening we'll never know a, a lot of people are abused and they don't end up brutally murdering both their parents but if what they said were true I could see why it messed with their minds oh if that's if that's even a quarter true yes I can understand that it would mess you up as a kid and etc etc but let's remember that the alleged abusers are both dead so right now it's we're just relying on the uh, what testimony of two boys who collectively thought it was a great idea to murder both of their parents. So I don't really put a lot of good judgment on either of them. Um, So this Tammy, she watched the court proceedings because the whole thing, of course, was televised. And it was a a circus. I remember that. Um, She started writing him letters, and then she started to get phone calls from him. She moved from Minnesota. Oh, my goodness. To California after they confessed their love for one another. They were married in Folsom State Prison in June of 99. Um, This was Tammy's second marriage. Her husband um, had, uh, her first husband had killed himself. So it was kind of a traumatic relationship anyway. He was not, he was not a stable person. Um, She was, Tammy was very candid about her marriage and um, described it as incredibly difficult, even more so than she expected due to the circumstances, the fact that he was living in California was incarcerated she wrote a memoir they said we'd never make it <laughs> I'm just gonna let that sit there for a minute I'm not gonna read that I'm just gonna say it's not on the Times bestsellers I'm assuming I don't know maybe it was really well done um, <laughs> it was a precursor to Fifty Shades of Grey um, that came out in 2005 Tammy and Eric had no kids together obviously they never had a conjugal visit um, Tammy's daughter oh. let me just allow that daughter daughter from a previous marriage was a baby when she married eric Mm. and the the girl refers to eric as quote her earth dad she's messed up too okay so i think she i think i'm sorry i misspoke tammy's still married to him lyle has been married twice since his imprisonment Mm. okay in 96 he met and married playboy model oh my gosh even playboy models 
So what was it you were saying about beautiful women with big yeah. boobs? Uh, <laughs> she, they divorced in 2001 after she discovered that he was writing letters to other women. So oh, you were he was right. On her. Yeah, he was cheating totally. behind behind. So bars. I guess there was an upgrade from the Playboy. I don't know that this babe's an upgrade because in 2003 they were divorced and he married a woman named Rebecca. 2001. Um, I'm sorry. In 2021, the brothers are still both married. Wow. To those people. And they're down there at the Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego that I spoke so highly of. So I, in this same article um, from attention.com, we're still talking to the author of the book, Women Who Love Men Who Kill. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, th this was fascinating to me. And they asked... Uh, attention.com asked her what were the demographics of these women and oh. what she found was that there was every oh demographic under the sun rich poor was white are they mainly white, white? uh or is, does it run the gamut because these they were saying there are, was some highly educated one had a phd and was a college professor so they're oh. teaching your kids great great oh. great plug for the old college professors sorry <laughs> To lump you guys all together, Anne. Thank you. Other women hadn't graduated from high school. Socioeconomics, there were rich women, there were poor women, there were women who had were who are married, mm. women who were single, women who, that had children, women who didn't have children, all different kinds of women. The only thing that they had in common, which she said, I noticed as a common factor, was that were there were a lot of Catholic women. Catholic? What? Yes. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know, but that's... She just left it out there. There was nothing else going on that, and I didn't pursue any more I of think that. it must be because most people in America are Catholic, I don't right? know. I don't know. There's no way. The other thing they asked is, did the women feel satisfied in their relationship? Oh, no. So the women were generally, as they described it, madly in love and desperately in love. They had fallen in love in a way that made them not see the world around them anymore. You know, it all, what I call a stage, it's, it's, she, this is what she says. I call it a stage one super romantic love. Okay. That's the way they saw it. It's the kind of mad, passionate love that makes you lose your appetite, that makes you want to dance and sing. Okay. When you first meet someone, you're in high as a kite on that person. That was the language they, they used. That's what the women used. Yes. They were high as a kite. Yes. They, Have you ever done kind of a long distance thing? Mm. Hod and I didn't live we I was in San Diego he was in Orange County which is like 90 to 100 miles away sure and it does make you it makes you kind of crazy it does make you crazy it does make you crazy yeah like you're, you'll your do thoughts, anything to get there yeah your light your yeah. whole day revolves your whole around, week is like okay when am I going to see him next yeah. And yeah. you're thinking about him, yeah. and it just never ends. So it says, the other question was, did these women feel guilty that they were in relationships with someone who had committed a terrible crime? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, Eisenberg said, most of the women I interviewed managed to find a way to rationalize a way, a way or mitigate the crime that was accused, that they were accused of. Okay. He didn't really necessarily mean to murder <laughs> I say that in quotes. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then she went on to visit him in prison and fell madly in love with him. And after and afterwards, she said, "You know, he wasn't really guilty, and I don't know why he was convicted." Oh, sure. So again, that's not surprising. You'd yeah. have to be able to rationalize that in your yeah. mind, and you'd have to believe in his innocence, I guess, unless you're a, a sicko too. No, you have to pull down those denial shades real tight so that you, nothing gets in. Because to think about some of the things they've done, especially someone like Richard Ramirez, even the Menendez brothers, 
They shot their parents in cold blood and then took off to spend all the money buying Porsches and Rolexes within a week, you know. You have to believe that there was some sort of miscarriage of justice or you are just as crazy as your hubby who's doing time. Right. Uh, She also goes on to talk about prison website, I mean, pen pal websites that have perpetuated some of this that have gone, which, you know, again, whatever, I, I... Again, I can't I, believe those things exist, but then again, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that yeah. exists out there. That it's just, it, This is another question. Unlike the women you interviewed, other women purposely seek out criminals of great notoriety. Why do you think some women pursue a relationship with men who have committed famous crimes? Yeah, the more notorious, mm-hmm. like the... Like the Menendez brothers. Even Charles Richard Manson. Man- I know, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Um, she says, we live in a society where people are... Being, are famous for being famous. That's true. Um, like the Kardashians. Mm. And and when I wrote the book, we didn't even have people like that. Uh. I think the first person like that was Paris Hilton. She was famous for being famous. Mm-hmm. She didn't do anything in particular. Um, right. And since then, she said, um, people are just wanting to be famous for whatever reason it is. It doesn't seem, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself, it doesn't seem like there's any shame Mm-mm. in anything anymore Mm-mm. right Mm-mm. it used to be like actors wouldn't be on television like a big screen actor would never right promote a commercial because that would be beneath them right now it's like game on mm. they're doing podcasts they're <laughs> they're you know judges whatever. on a talent show it doesn't matter yeah. what you're doing they're cross pollinating every single aspect of anything that earns them money uh, yeah, or gets their face out there, whatever no, it takes. No notoriety is good notoriety. That's right. It doesn't really matter. Right. So, um, I do have to say, mm-hmm. while you're looking up your your final bit of research, that I know I can think of three journalists off the top of my head. I cannot tell you who they got with or what the crime was or anything like that. I just know that there are three different women who were writing biographies of people who were incarcerated and in doing so fell in love with the inmate. So yeah, so they're going in and like, I'm gonna write this biography or they've been hired by someone to write a biography or they're doing some research in some way and they get access to the jail. They have no intention. I'm just gonna go in there and talk. These guys are so smooth and are such sociopaths, just like this Casey White situation. Right. I think they just get in there and suddenly up is down. You know what I'm saying? It's like I can't make heads or tails of of what I'm feeling. I just know that there's this electricity that's a sociopath looking you in the eye. That's what that is. And they don't have the ability to discern the crazy from the I'm just getting this all of this completely unadulterated attention from this person it's interesting it, it, it like we started out I think the commonality for all these women is they're damaged yeah and I hate to say it like that because it we're sounds, all damaged I know but in a way that when you've been abused yeah you have to really work on yourself to get out of that situation you have to be present at all times in therapy working on yourself yeah to be able to move past that abuse. If yeah. you don't, I, at least from the women that I know, mm-hmm. and even men that have been abused in their former lives by their families or by molestation, whatever, if you don't work on yourself mm-hmm. really diligently, yeah, you can fall into the traps of being taken advantage of, being manipulated, and it could be, it could come out of nowhere for different things. Yeah, You might get taken advantage buying a car. 
right? right. You know, like yeah, yeah. you just don't have the power to not do that if you if you don't work on yourself. I if think. you haven't addressed any of your issues. If you haven't addressed any. And listen, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be heard. This is a, a person who's in jail. and got nothing else but time, like they said. Like, I, I didn't even know that before I said those words. But that was, it makes sense. Yeah. That you would sit there and he's paying attention to you yeah. four days a week. Four days a week and he murdered. Letters. He brutally murdered a dozen people. But, you know, he's paying attention to you right now. So he must love you. He's not going to murder anybody else. He's harmless. You're d- <laughs> he's sitting right in front of you. Those he's days harmless. are over. I know. There is something to that, I guess, that just makes you go, well, okay. He, it is, it's sort of like a, it's in a vacuum now. It's in a sterile environment. Let me just ask you this. Let's yeah. play the devil's advocate for just okay. a second. Are we going to become Satanists? We are not. Okay. We're never. Good. We're not even going to talk about it. <laughs> She's so offended. So offended. I'm so disgusted. Um, let's put yourself in the victim's family's perspective i can't this man murdered your daughter and now he is flirting and having you know uh, he got married in prison i wouldn't be able to think about it i couldn't Mm, no i couldn't i once the once the he's been convicted Mm -hmm. and i know he's going to spend life in prison i know i have to be done with it and i cannot think about oh he's gonna get a parole you're gonna have to go to those hearings no. I mean, it's uh, it's over and over again. You could not escape it. I can't imagine the injustice that yeah. they must feel. Yeah. And again, when I watched that Lester Holt special, it really, it's so hard to decide what is right and what is wrong when it comes to punishment mm. versus, you know, rehabilitation slash incarceration. What are we right. doing this for? So right. that's a whole other that's podcast. That's a whole other podcast. But I just thought it was fascinating to talk about women who love men who mm-hmm. are behind bars. Yeah, well. It's, it's fascinating. It's it's the ultimate bad boy. <laughs> and I'm not being tongue-in-cheek. Really a very bad person. It's a really bad <laughs> idea. Let's just say that. If you're thinking about getting a pen pal, why don't you find somebody in another country that just happens to have a different set of values or cu- culture experiences? Yeah. Like maybe they live in Sweden and they live in right. an urt. Oh, and you if, live in an apartment in Santa Monica, California. Let's go with that. Find out what your sister city is. Every city has a sister city somewhere else in the world. They do? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, when I had a pen pal like in, <laughs> We're going in, in elementary, sorry. When I had a pen pal in elementary school, it was a sister city situation. And it, I don't even remember What's the sister, sister city. What's sister city? I don't, well, I will have to find out and we'll bring that to you in the next podcast. Why don't we talk about that in the podcast? I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, so like what if the sister city is like some cool little village in, like you said, Sweden. What if it's in Norway? What if it's in Iceland? And now you've got this fun little Icelandic pen pal who's not incarcerated. Who's just a person who's Who's living their lives like you are. Then what happens when there's a... Knock, knock on the door? Hi. Then you're not worried because he's not going to kill you. You don't know? You don't. (laughs) Ladies, don't be nice to anybody. Is that That's our word? motto. Okay. That's our takeaway gift. Our takeaway gift for today, our tag is don't write an inmate. Don't write an in. Don't even start. I don't understand it. <laughs> don't understand it. So. In the meantime, I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. We're Two Average Girls. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. We love all you listeners that are over in Europe. We've got like a I flood know. of listeners in Europe now. Here's it's the really key. fun. Subscribe. We need yep. subscribers. Even though our downloads are great, but we need more subscribers. So all of your friends, make sure you push that subscribe button mm-hmm. on the homepage of your podcast mm-hmm. that you listen to. 
and that will help us out. Hijack someone's phone. <laughs> like your mom, who just tell her that you, you know, don't know. when she needs you know. to fix something. My <laughs> ringer is too loud. Go fix it. And then while you're in there, go into the podcast. You sound like you know what you're talking about. I have no, I just heard tale. <laughs> Anyway, you can also find us on Two Average Girls Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We'll see you next time. Two Average Girls.